This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. to you. Welcome into the action line from WGNS. We're going to be talking this morning about some very timely events in our community. Visiting with us, Sergeant Chris Irwin. Uh, he's here from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office this morning. Chris, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good to have you with us. You brought a friend with you. I did. Erica Feimister, or Feimister, Feimister. Am I right That's this it. time? Yeah, <laughs> Three it. times. Three, three times a charm. <laughs> I need to work on that one a little bit. Good to have you with. Tell us a little about your background, Erica. Um, so I have worked in treatment for the past couple of years um, in drug rehabilitation treatment. Um, I am in recovery um, from addiction myself, in long-term recovery, and have been um, in recovery for almost six years. Um, and so what I've been doing is something I'm really passionate about, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, so, yeah. Now, you say you're in recovery for six years. Uh, is everybody who has been addicted to something, are they always in recovery? They never totally get away from it? Is that the way this works? Or Kind of. Um for me personally, I'm, I know that that is my background. I always, um, can be, I'm, I'm not ever exempt from the possibility of relapse. Um, but the program that I personally work says that I'm either working on my recovery or I'm working on a relapse. So technically, as long as I'm doing the next right thing, then I'm in recovery. The reason I ask that, I'm, I'm wanting to get across to the public that if you have an addiction, don't down the road expose yourself to it again because you're vulnerable to getting back into it, I guess. Absolutely. And that's the idea that um, a lot of the idea that we're trying to get across with the grant that I work for and the grant that I've been working with um with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department is that recovery is not a 30-day program and then done. It's a lifestyle, um, and it takes daily work, just like a diabetic needs insulin, a recovering addict, alcoholic, person with substance use disorder um, needs their medication, which are meetings or counseling or something to do on a daily basis where they're working on their recovery. And, Sergeant, 
share with us a little about, uh, are most of the people who are arrested these days, uh, have do they have some form of addiction? Um, I don't know if you could say most, but there are a, a large majority um, that are suffering from uh, addictions to something or another, usually. And I would guess this is one of the big areas of, uh, of trying to help at the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office, trying to get these people back where they're able to be productive members of the community. Uh, yes, this um, it's this stop unit that we have um, started is a pro- proactive unit um, that's consisting of deputies from patrol and the community service uh, division, which is what I'm over um, at the Sheriff's Office, and we are uh, tasked with reducing opioid overdoses and deaths that are currently plaguing the community. So it is a, the opioid use is a big rise right now. Now, what are what are some of the younger ages that uh, that you see involved with opioids and things of this sort? I'm, I'm just trying to sort of get a feel of uh, how far reaching is this. Honestly, um, it's. All ages. All ages. All ages. I mean, they have um, treatment centers for adolescents um, going all the way up to individuals 65 and older. So um, I don't think there's a straight demographic. Um, And when I've been riding around with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department, um, I mean, there are all ages, anywhere from 18 to 25. We've had a 65-year-old. Um, so it affects everyone. It doesn't discriminate. We didn't have problems like this if you go back far enough, and it didn't have to go back too far to go to where we didn't have this problem. What brought it on? What do you think is the reason we have uh, these issues with opioids? First of all, give us a good definition of what is an opioid. And they're pointing to Sergeant Irwin. Okay, so that's going to be me. <laughs> you are um, the guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. Oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm not the guy. <laughs> the guy uh, couldn't make it today, so I am going to have to. You're um, almost the guy. Yeah, I'm almost the guy. <laughs> so... Um, how about you answer the question about... Uh, sort of give us a feel for what is an opioid. Yeah, what was the other question, though? She can answer. Um, about how far... How did we get into this? Yes, I think you can answer kind of how you transition into opioids and yeah, so, your experience. Um, as far as the community, I'm not well-versed on how the community got into it. Um, I can speak for myself. Um, and I do know roughly that there has been um, more of a hold on prescription medication, um, which has started the fentanyl and heroin um, issue where people are overdosing and dying um, pretty rapidly. Um, so that has played into that for me. Um, my personal addiction and substance use disorder began with drinking and slowly over, um, the years progressed into me needing more and more and more, um, until it ended, um, very badly with 
with opioids. So drinking and things of that sort were the older ways of getting addicted, but opioids are the newer ways. Uh, when, when you think of opioids, are you usually referring to medications a physician has prescribed, or are you referring to somebody sneaking in and taking uh, medications that were their parents or grandparents and using those uh, that were not prescribed to them? Yeah, prescription painkillers um, are definitely an issue, um, as well as you know, people stealing their parents' medication or grandparents' medication or anyone who's on, um, who's prescribed regular pain medication. Um, and I know that's an issue with more adolescents um, and younger adults um, because it's easier for them to get their hands on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely prescription medication. Well, I know there was a time that uh, the take-back drugs where you had old medications at home, that was a big event where people would bring them. Uh, It became such a big event. I think you have a a permanent uh, deposit uh, place at the sheriff's office, and I think the city police has a permanent uh, place to dispose any day. I mean, We do, and we still do, too. Two big um, days a year, too, as well. We just finished one, I believe, last month, um, and then we'll do one, um, we'll do two next year. So, Okay, so if somebody uh, has old medications, and I think we all, if you look in your medicine, medicine cabinet uh, or wherever you keep your pills, you probably do have some old medications that uh, you've, for one reason or another, quit using. Uh, what should you do with those? Can you just, uh, I, I don't know why people save those, but they do. I guess they think I paid a lot of money for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's good to, to turn those in. Uh, you can take them up to the sheriff's office um, or to the city and drop them off. Um, there's no reason to have them in the house if you're not uh, if you're not still using them. Um, and like you said, it's a, it's a good way, um, an easy way for uh um, an adolescent to, to get a hold of it, um, mm-hmm. not knowing what it is or whatever. So it's good to get them out of your house if you're no longer using them. I've heard some strange stories about drugs that younger people are taking, uh, and I say younger 20s, teens, and, and possibly even younger. They don't look always at something that is going to get them the the most uh, high or whatever. They They just take them uh, and hope that it works, which can really be dangerous. Uh, Tell us some of your stories about that, some of the things that you have personally seen and want to encourage people to be aware of this. Sure. Um, I know that vaping has been a pretty big deal um, because people are vaping things and not knowing what are even in their vape. (laughs) Um, So that can be extremely dangerous. Um, I've heard of a lot of people um, just taking a pill for a headache and not knowing what it is. Um, So if anyone ever offers me anything, um, the best thing to do is to say no um, and don't take anything that's not personally prescribed to you or that's not labeled. 
Right. Um, so if it's not in an ibuprofen bottle and it doesn't look like ibuprofen, don't take it. Um, and as far as other things, I mean, there's, there are a lot of things, um, unfortunately, that if you misuse, you can you can get high on. Um, unfortunately, I knew someone not too long ago who took too much Imodium um, and OD'd and passed away. Um, so it's just really important to be able to educate our children and the public to not take anything, not misuse any prescription or any over-the-counter medication um, because it could be detrimental. Are most prescriptions, if you take too much of them, uh, are, are they are they often fatal? I mean, uh, you mentioned about a person who overdosed on, on one prescription, uh, but are some prescriptions that are thought of as relatively safe can they also be dangerous if you take excessive amounts of them? I mean, I definitely think anything can be can be that. Um, I'm not a doctor, obviously, or a, or a clinician, um, so I'm not a hundred percent knowledgeable about medication. Um, but I do know that if you Google search something, um, then you can. I mean, it'll it'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, Sergeant Aaron. You, you mentioned uh, you mentioned earlier the Stop Program, the strategy uh, strategy strategy <laughs> strategies and tactics for opioid prevention. Uh, tell us a little more about that and how that fits into what you do at the sheriff's office. Uh, well, the Stop Unit's goal is to reduce overdoses and opioid related deaths. Um, to assist in finding recovery resources, which is why we have Erica, and uh, to educate res- residents on the dangers. Um, and that's kind of uh, my part, the community service part. Um, I have a deputy with me, um, Gary Heron, who knows all about this and can define what opioid is, by the way. <laughs> but he's um, keeping it to himself. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I actually know what it is now. <laughs> I have people texting me. I appreciate it. Um <laughs> So we'll answer that. Um, So opioids are a powerful drug um, uh, that can be prescription opioids like uh, hydrocodone, oxycodone, and morphine. And then there's the um, heroin, uh, the legal um, version of opioids would be heroin. And then um, fentanyl is um, another strong one um, that is becoming a, a problem. Um, But anyway, so the community service division, that we're working on the um, education part of it and we have um, pamphlets that we're giving out and we're reaching out to um, the homeless population we're reaching uh, when um, COVID restrictions are kind of lifted up we'll be able to go into the schools and and, uh, we have educational pamphlets for them and and stuff for the parents Um, so we're really trying to to get the word out about this and um, about the problem that it's becoming so that hopefully we can uh, get people the help that they need instead of just throwing them in jail and letting them come back and then falling right back into their their same old habits. So, With COVID-19 very much a part of 2020, which has made this a very challenging year, uh, schools being open, closed, open, closed, back and forth, uh, has this made it difficult for you to get the message out? And also, has uh, has this problem increased with people having a lot of free time on their hand. 
Um, as far as getting it out, we've had to get creative. Um, there's been um, just about every event that we work, we tried um, that we've been able to still work. We try to um, get the information out there somehow, um, either through um, uh, drug prevention materials, passing those out. Um, uh, um, and um, you know, if we if we have a one on one time to talk to somebody at the event, we'll, you know, we'll bring up what um, the stop program is and what we're doing. Uh, but it has been difficult. We just had to, um, you know, come up with alternatives and come up with new ways to to figure this out. Um, and yeah, I would say there probably has been an increase, um, and that would be with really anything. I think um, drinking, all these things, um, because you. You're, you know, locked inside. Um, a lot of people have a fear right now, um, and I believe with all all that, you know, not being able to do your normal routines and, and be around your normal people, I think um, that it's caused a lot of people to to lean on other things that they normally wouldn't, and lean on it more than they probably would in the past. Okay, so uh, it's one of those challenging times of the year. I know you're excited about hopefully uh, seeing a light at the end of the tunnel for the COVID-19 issue, uh, which has been a challenge for everybody. Uh, let's let's talk a little. Erica, tell us a little more about, from your viewpoint, uh, what has COVID-19 done to make this program, the STOP program, uh, more challenging? For sure. Well, I definitely agree that there's been an increase um, in substance abuse period um i know personally i need human connection and um, a community around me to support me because i cannot do this on my own um and when i say do this i mean recovery (laughs) um and as far as the challenges facing the stop program um i started interviewing for this um, position with the grant I'm working for um, back in March and then everything shut down. So that kind of put a hold on literally everything. Um, So as soon as things started opening up, um, then we were kind of able to press forward. Um, Yes, going into hospitals is a little more difficult um, and educating in public forums is more difficult. Um, but since September, um, I've been able to ride along with the officers specifically that work in the stop, stop program um, and speak to the individuals they come in contact with. Um, so really COVID-19 put, put a hold on everything um, and kind of just kept people in isolation. And now we're finally able to start moving forward so it put a hold on the services you're offering but it did not put a hold on addiction correct so that's still i guess growing yeah uh, absolutely because people are out there uh frustrated uh frightened and and perhaps the addiction might be in their mind a way to get out of it we'll come back and find out uh your thoughts on what are some of the things that are luring people into this? We'll also talk about something that's coming up, the shop with a cop. And that's just around the corner, too. Stay with us. Much more to come. We're going to check on the traffic and weather. We'll be entering the segment of the show. If you have a question dealing with addictions or the STOP program, 
It'll be your chance to call and ask questions. 615-893-1450. The Dave Ramsey Show, weekdays from 1 to 4. Rutherford County's place to talk. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States. And you can order that soup online at DemasFamilyKitchen.com. In this season of giving, don't forget to give to your pet. Here at Animal City, we would love to help you with your pet needs. Your small animals might prefer a larger living space. Your reptiles might like some new decor. And your other pets might like some new toys to keep them entertained. Right now, all of our Animal City departments are overflowing with new and exciting toys. Dog toys, bird toys, cat toys, we have them all. This is Amanda from Animal City. Come do business with Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system. WGNS listeners get $50 off. 615-930-0088. A whole house air purifier. 615-930-0088. Good morning. Traffic still holding up right now here on 840. Headed over towards Franklin uh, in the Franklin-Williamson County. Traffic's just busy where you would expect out here up and down. Sam Ridley fighting your way towards the interstate. Traffic, once you get on the interstate, it's heavy, but it's moving um, through the Hickory Hollow area and there on 24 going westbound. Hey, Curious Campout is a family sleepover with kids 2 to 6 at Ripley's Aquarium on January 2nd. All the details at Ripley's Aquarium Facebook page. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Thank you, Chuck. What about the Murfreesboro weather? Brought to you by our friends at Capstar Bank. A few scattered rain showers here early this afternoon with cloudy skies and temperatures holding rather steady. Winds out of the northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 42. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County but will always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. WTNS, AM, FM, and online. Congratulations going out to Hope North. Hope North is our Simply Pure Sweets Bakery and Cafe birthday club winner today. Happy birthday, Hope North. And Karen Davis is our WGNS good neighbor of the day. Karen's going to receive flowers from Jenny Harrison and the family at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. And a person who nominated her said she's always being so positive and having a wonderful outlook on life and shares that with everyone. Karen Davis, our good neighbor of the day. 
Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're looking at addictions and things of that sort this morning. From the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office, Sergeant Chris Irvin, along with Erica Feemister. And let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on WGNS. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Uh, we're doing fine. Good to hear you. Did I miss Middle Tennessee last night, or is it tonight? That Basketball. Is a, that is a good question. Uh, I believe it's tonight, but I would not uh, swear to that. Thank you for calling, though. And you'll hear the game on WGNS. <laughs> there you go. Get that plug in. Our number is 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. These games are changing. We think we're going to have one one day, and suddenly it moves three days down the road. <laughs> it's, it's sort of hard to keep up with once in a while. Uh you mentioned about uh, Shop with the Sheriff has been uh, a big success already now. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, sir. So um, last Saturday we had the Shop with the Sheriff event. Um, and again, due to COVID, we have to um, uh, make uh, arrangements to um, follow the CDC guidelines. And, uh, you know, we're restricted in certain uh, aspects of the thing uh the way we normally do it uh usually we try to have a big breakfast for them and that kind of thing so uh instead we did snack bags um and walmart uh, on old fort they were amazing uh they opened up an hour early for us um that way the kids could go in um and and just worry about themselves and then you know there was no other people around the sro went in with them um they wore masks uh, we had hand sanitizers. They went in and out. Um, the officers even wore gloves. Um, and then uh, they went in in increments, a um, few at a time. And as they would come out, we would send in another one. Uh, so it went really well. Um, I think we reached about 25 to 30 kids um, in the uh, we had one kid, at least one kid from every elementary school. And then we had a few of them that um, uh, had a contact. They were quarantined due to contact um, for COVID. So uh, what we've done with them is their SRO has scheduled a date with them when they come out of their uh, quarantine. Uh, and they call me and another um, Gary will go with me. And um, so we have three officers that will meet the parents at the Walmart. And then we'll still shop with the kid. So we're still doing it. We've got about – I think we have two more kids to shop for. Um, and then we had one kid that um, – the parent just sent the list and that SRO did the shopping for them and they're going to take it to their house and stuff. So like I said, we've had to make uh, some arrangements that are different than normal, but um, it's all, it's all been really good and we've reached a lot of uh, families. So that's awesome. COVID-19 is really challenging uh, the way that we normally do things. Uh, Tennessee, it came out yesterday is, uh, has the worst problem of COVID-19 of anywhere and I hate to say this, not just the nation, but I think it's per capita in the world. Uh, that's not something we need to, to cherish. Yeah. I need to get rid of that. That's right. uh, and, and I think one of the first steps, obviously, is masking, social distancing, washing your hands, covering your cough. We've heard those things. But the vaccination... And the first responders and uh, the folks in the hospitals, uh, the, the first responders at the hospitals, nurses, doctors, 
those are the ones who get the vaccination first. Do you know when you're going to get yours? Have, have, has that started? Because I think the vaccinations are here. Yes, I don't know um, if they have started at Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. Um, I know that I've already been asked if I'm going to take it or not, and I've had to sign and do all and do all the paperwork. Um, so I know we're getting ready, but I don't know if they've already started with patrol or not. Um, they'll, you know, they'll have a a list of who goes first, and and then they'll start start um, giving them out. But yes, we've already started the paperwork process and should be starting anytime soon. Okay, so will there just be somebody at the sheriff's office giving shots as you come in on shifts? Or do you know the procedure? Uh, no, I still don't know the procedure. Um, that that could be a possibility. Or they could um, also send us probably somewhere. Um, Dr. Rudd is our um, physician at the um, jail and he has his own um, practice so they may send us there. So I'm not really sure how that's okay. going to work. It'll be interesting, but I, I know everybody's watching this closely because we know you're the first, and uh, and that has to get started before it reaches anyone else. Uh, 615-893-1450 is our number. If you have any questions this morning or if you have any comments dealing with the situations that uh, we're facing these days, uh, just give us a call. One of the situations that we are facing is drug addiction. That's not just during COVID-19. Uh, that would be nice if it was just during COVID-19. Then as this clears up, that would clear up too. That's wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> have, is that one of our problems? We have too much wishful thinking and not enough people actually jumping in and doing something to stop this. How, how could we stop this, by the way? Is there a way to do that? That's a great question. Um, I do know um, as far as it not stopping that there are a few factors that play into it as far as stress, isolation, um, people not handling grief, people keeping to themselves and not speaking about their emotions and feelings, which is very difficult to do anyways. Um But I do believe um, that the officers in Rutherford County are making a huge difference with the STOP program um, because they are not only, I mean, we're used to, law enforcement's used to providing, um, you know, Narcan and jail as a solution, and they didn't have any other resources. So the STOP program is providing them additional resources, including the grant that I work for, which is called Tennessee Save-A-Life First Responders. Um, So I work directly with first responders and the individuals they come in contact with um, and provide them additional resources for recovery and getting help. Um, So I I wish I could say there was a way to completely stop it, um, but the way to decrease the numbers um, is really about education and stigma um, and providing additional resources. I know when I was in active addiction um, and actively using um, that, you know, there was there's a stigma towards individuals with substance use disorder. Um, And a lot of first responders, from my knowledge, um, are very burnt out and seeing the same people over and over and over again. Um, and I know just being in recovery and working in treatment myself, sometimes I just want to shake people and be like, why can't you get this? So I can't even imagine having to Narcan someone maybe four times in one week and then still not 
taking the path to recovery like what do you need to do something different you know um people are narcan four times in one week sometimes uh, that's that's unbelievable so yeah. uh, and, and narcan you've you've taken an overdose and this is something the officer administers how, how do you administer it do you spray it yeah do it's you? sprayed into the nose okay uh, and, and this brings them out of whatever the negative that the drug causes? Usually. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's its purpose. It's supposed to um, kind of wake them up from um, the overdose. How do you get the overdose out of them, or does that do it? Or what, what happens at that point? So know? there's something in the – okay, I can't speak to this verbatim. My um, – counterpart is the one who speaks to all of this and does the training for first responders he's a, he used to be a first responder himself um, but it basically brings them um, out of the overdose does something with the brain receptors yes I was just text okay, good. it knocks the opioid off the receptor in the brain Ah, okay thank you will Holton <laughs> <laughs> so as you as this happens, it just gets the, the the drug that's caused the overdose out of your system. It doesn't put anything in your mind to, uh, you need to do something. You need to have somebody help you with such and such. And that's where your program has come in. It's adding that touch. Because as you said before, it was just Narcan and then you go to jail. And you don't learn anything, I don't guess, in jail unless it's, how to do drugs better right <laughs> yeah um unfortunately usually when they when they come out of jail they usually go back to their old habits so yes that's what we're trying to prevent here and i believe we've already do you know the number of how many we've helped already since um i started writing along and since will uh, lieutenant holton put the stop program together um we have put in 13 people in treatment um, and right now five of them have graduated three of them are in sober living um, and the unique part about um, the grant that I work for is we continue to follow up with the individual because we understand that treatment is not a one and done um, it's a lifestyle so um, I've we've been able to follow up with the officers with Lieutenant Holton, Corporal Thromberry and the other officers that work on the stop, stop program um, and show them these successes that these individuals have had um, and not only does that help reduce the stigma of the person who's addicted um, but also helps reduce the stigma that people who are addicted have against officers as well. Here's a text from a, from a listener who says they have a son who's 21 years old, and of course 21, that's the legal age, and they're pretty well doing whatever they want to do. They feel that they are using too much alcohol, and they are concerned that they may be using drugs as well, but they just don't know what to do to help their son. What is a good source for them? What can they do? How can they learn more? How can they be a, a better aid to that person in need who's a loved close loved one so there are a ton of resources um online especially for speaking with um children who have 
who we may think have an issue. Um, there's also a program called Al-Anon um, that is also extremely helpful in just allowing the parent or loved one um, to figure out how to communicate with that individual and work on the issues that they're having with that individual being addicted um, or drinking too much. Um, as far as the loved one or parent being able to do anything, um, I think it's important to just be educated. And unfortunately, I know for me, I was not ready to do anything different until I was ready to do something different. Um, I had to hit my own bottom um, and realize that I had a problem and admit it to myself before I was able to seek recovery. Um, so I think that she can definitely educate herself as well as talk to her son in a loving and compassionate way and let him know that she's there um, if he wants to talk about it without judgment. Because a lot of times, you know, when we're drinking too much or even people who do not have the disease of addiction, when we're drinking too much, we just want to relax or we want to feel what we're not, we don't want to feel what we're currently feeling. Um, so it normally has to do with us feeling judged or not being able to talk about it. When you were going through this yourself, did your parents know that you had this problem and did they uh, try to intervene or anything? Um, they did not know. Um, so you're I, able to hide it pretty well. I don't know if I hit it well, um, but my family lives in Chattanooga, um, and I was going to MTSU, and so it was easy for me to make excuses to not go home or say I was working too much. Um, my parents said that they knew when I would come home that they felt something was off. Um, but as I was in denial of my own addiction, my parents were also, and a lot of parents are in denial of their loved ones being in addiction or having an issue, right? So, um, I mean, they, wanna be they wanted to believe what I was saying. Um, and they did believe it because they didn't want to think anything different, right? So... Um, honestly, like for me, I called my parents when I was on the way to treatment and said I had a minor substance abuse problem, which was a very lax way to say it because um, it was pretty serious. Um, but they said they had no idea, but they could tell something was off. Uh, let's imagine right now, because I, I think there are probably people who are having substance abuse problems and they're listening and they're hearing your story. And, and they don't know what to do. What caused you to reach out? Uh, what, what was the determining factor that made you say, this is scary. Uh, I, I could end up dead. Yeah, well, so for me personally, I, I didn't know that I had a serious problem until I went without um, the drug that I was using frequently and started experiencing withdrawals. Um, and I also didn't realize there was an issue until my life became completely out of control um, and completely unmanageable. Um, and it took me a while to even see that it was unmanageable. And for me, um, the individual that I was 
um, using with um, was arrested and told his family everything that had been going on with both of us. And for the first time, it had put my personal addiction out into the open, and I had been hiding it. Um, and when it kind of came to the light, it was a light bulb for me, like, oh, I may actually have a real problem here. And I had a slight moment of clarity, um, and he actually ended up getting help first, and then I went two days after he did. Um, and it was a slow progression over those past two days. I was like, well, if he gets help, I'll be fine. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll just go to detox. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should actually get some help um, and then when I went to treatment I was introduced to 12-step programs and how I needed to create a network and all that good stuff. Now you were a student at MTSU. Mm-hmm. Did the university have a lot of programs uh, in place that once it was learned that you had the problem that you were able to seek some solutions? Um. Yes. You're, you're saying that with hesitance. <laughs> so you really had to go somewhere else. The university didn't have what, no, what you needed. The, honestly, the university, for when I went, um, I mean, I haven't been in college in a while, like 15 years. Um, but when I was there, there were... As far as I know, there was not any education um, for substance abuse there. Um, I found the treatment center through a twelve a twelve step program um, that I had worked and that I had been to and been introduced to um, in the community. Um, and through those people there, they were the ones who got me into treatment. We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be back and continue the conversation. We're going to talk about withdrawal. And uh, you had heard the word withdrawal and knew about it, but it sounds like you were in denial that there could be a withdrawal. And what did it feel like? We'll be right back. If you want to talk sports, you want to talk local, you want to talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Jim Tackett, it's all sports talk. Weekdays at 5 on WGNS. Hearing Aid and Audiology Services with Dr. Sean Lancaster. And appreciate all the patients that's been coming in and seeing us and trying the new products. Dr. Sean Lancaster. People comment all the time that they probably would not have moved forward with hearing aids if they didn't get a chance to try them first. Because it's a big purchase but it's a life-changing purchase. Dr. Sean Lancaster. With hearing aid and audiology services, 608 East Clark Boulevard in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Jenny Harrison at Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts. I want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Ryan Flowers Coffee and Gifts has the right gift for your special person from great gift baskets, candies, coffees and teas, mugs, cups, and have trinkets, handmade things, thing you never know what I'm going to have in the shop. Ryan's Flowers, Coffees, and Gifts, 117 South Academy Street. Please come see us. 
Good morning. Traffic still holding up right now here on 840. Headed over towards Franklin uh, into Franklin, Williamson County. Traffic's just busy where you would expect out here up and down Sam Ridley fighting your way towards the interstate. Traffic, once you get on the interstate, it's heavy, but it's moving um, through the Hickory Hollow area and there on 24 going westbound. Hey, Curious Campout is a family sleepover with kids 2 to 6 at Ripley's Aquarium on January 2nd. All the details at Ripley's Aquarium Facebook page. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. A few scattered rain showers here early this afternoon with cloudy skies and temperatures holding rather steady. Winds out of the northwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 42. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. This is Clark Howard, and I'll take your calls middays on WGNS. Consumer questions, money concerns, and more. Weekdays 11 to 1 on WGNS. We're in the final segment of our broadcast this morning. A very interesting topic. We're learning about uh, overdoses, and uh, it goes right along with the Christmas season, especially a COVID year where people have, I guess, more time to themselves. Sergeant Chris Irwin with us from the Rutherford County Sheriff's Officer, and Erica Themister is with us this morning from the Strategies and Tactics for Opioid Prevention. And that uh, acronym for that is STOP, S-T-O-P. We were talking when we left about uh, actually going into withdrawal. Uh, That was what let you know you've hit the bottom. Uh, What did it feel like? What what was so dynamic with withdrawal that it got your attention? Um, Well, the first time it was pretty minor. It just was, it was slight flu symptoms. Honestly, um, there were the main one um, when I was using prescription painkillers were restless legs um, and I was extremely nauseous um, as my addict. Now, I will say the first time I ever experienced withdrawals, I wasn't 100 percent sure what it was. And it took me a few more years to actually hit my bottom. Um, so that was the first sign that like hey I have I may I may have a slight issue but it wasn't like the end um now as my addiction progressed and I got into um more as society likes to call it heavy drugs um my withdrawals were extremely severe I sometimes wouldn't be able to get get up out of bed I was extremely nauseous um um as some people know opioids um mess with your it made me constipated um (laughs) i don't know how else to say that um and so i would get extremely sick really bad headaches um it would feel like there were worms and snakes crawling up and down all my legs and joints Um, i wouldn't be able to sit still i remember when i went to treatment i was the person in the hallways walking around i couldn't i couldn't i didn't sleep for um maybe 30 minutes a night because my restless legs were so incredibly bad. So these are some things that you knew there was a problem, a definite issue, 
and that moved you forward. Sergeant Irwin, we have just a, about a minute and a half left in our broadcast. Uh, what If a person is experiencing some of these things and they know they have a problem deep down but nobody else knows, can they call the sheriff's office for guidance? Or I mean, you got to call somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And that again, that's why we started this program and um, to reach out and, and to give information to uh, to those who need it and to give help to those who need it. Um, you can call dispatch uh, and ask to um, have contact with a stop member team member. Um, you can email us at stop at rcsotn.org. And you can also call me at 615-785-8877. Well, our hat's off to the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office for this compassionate work. Uh, it's, it's a work of love. And uh, it, it's it's something that we obviously need. Thank you for both of uh, the, your help with, with this problem that we have. Sergeant Chris Irwin with the Sheriff's Office. Erica Feemeister with the STOP program sharing some of the information about that program. Stay with us. Much more to come. Truman is next right after the news.